What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. And what a Monday it is, because what a weekend it was. Great recruiting weekend on Mississippi State's campus. Most of the commitments were in town. Added some new commitments. We're going to break all that down for you on the show. And uh, one of the things that I'll say, I'm not going to sit here and say I told you so, because there are some things that kind of came out of left field over the weekend, at least one thing. Um, But one of the things I've tried to encourage people to do is let the staff work. Jeff Levy is a winner. Jeff Levy has always won wherever he's been. I think it's important to, hey, let's put some trust in our guy. I understand there's all these people that have these reservations. Oh, I didn't get the guy that I wanted, so this isn't going to work. Guys, I'm going to tell you, there have been so many times in my career, I've been covering Mississippi State since 1997. And I can tell you, there's been a lot of times the guys have come up, I would have hired this guy. And then the guy we hired ultimately proves to be better than the guy that I wanted. And so let's just take a deep breath collectively. Let's do it together right now. One, two, three. (gasps) Doesn't that feel nice? It does. Just take a deep breath, relax a little bit, let things play out. I I would think this past weekend um, probably buoyed some enthusiasm with all of you. It should have, right? It did. I understand there's some reservations. Listen, I I get it. I understand. It's like, hey, all of a sudden, hey, you know, it took us forever to hire a defensive coordinator. Well, you know, Jeff Lebby got one of the guys that he wanted. My trust is in Jeff Lebby. And so you can't say, how hey, I'm excited about Labby, and then at the same time, too, say, well, you know, he didn't know what he's doing with staffing. He's brought in a bunch of people that he knows, people that he's worked with before, and uh, we got a lot of these guys work, but I would say, you know, hey, as far as this, uh, this deal goes this weekend, you know, I think you got to be excited about that. I think you got to say, you know what, hey, this is a step in the right direction. Multiple steps in the right direction. Of course, another big weekend coming up. We'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, but, yeah, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I had dinner there last night. Had the Mississippi barbecue burger with some onion rings. I know that's weird, but it's true. I uh, had that Shipley's uh, bread pudding for dessert with a scoop of ice cream. Had the Diet Coke with a lime. Had the spring rolls as an appetizer. I am looking and feeling great today. Go by and check out Bulldog Burger Company next time you're in town. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive, and Ridge and Flowood area. Guys, I'm just going to tell you this. When we get ready to go out to eat, more times than not, despite the many options we have in Starkville, and despite the great options we have with the Eat With Us group, more times than not, we're headed to Bulldog Burger Company. Love it. I couldn't decide last night between the Bryant and the Mississippi barbecue burger, so I let my waiter, my server, Ian Robertson, my youngest son, decide for me. And it was fabulous. It always is. I'm always satisfied when I go in there and put my feet under their table. So whether you're looking out for a night out with family or a night out with friends, Bulldog Burger Company can accommodate you and give you an incredible dining experience. Be sure and go by, check them out. Cure what ails you. 
right? And again, how those spring rolls, they'll make you and everybody around you better looking. So if you see me today and I'm glowing a little bit, you know why. All right, let's break down the commitments and uh, kind of how it all came to be. Uh, so we got some news Friday night that uh, Blake Shapin from Baylor was committing to Mississippi State. We are able to get him on the phone rather quickly. Uh, thanks to our sources that help us tremendously that don't work at Auburn. Uh, but anyway, Blake Shapin comes in, and uh, Blake was hurt some this year, missed three games with an MCL issue, and then uh, missed a game with a concussion. Uh, in his career, 5,574 yards, 36 touchdowns. Uh, this past year, despite being banged up a little bit and Baylor having a difficult season, uh, he was, let's see here, 61.7% completion percentage, 2,188 yards, 13 touchdowns against just three interceptions. Uh, one of the better years of his career. And, again, he was uh, banged up. Also, as a guy that can hold you ca- accountable, as a runner, not a guy that you're going to dial up a ton of stuff for, but um, he's rushed for six touchdowns in his career. Has had long runs of 25 yards or more in all three of his seasons at Baylor. Uh, spoke to uh, Blake extensively on Friday night. Blake said, hey, you know, Jeff Levy has got a proven offense I've watched it up close, and he goes, you know, when I was at Baylor and we're preparing to play Oklahoma, you're preparing for other opponents, and you go through what they do offensively, and you begin to realize these guys are doing some things on another level. So he has a working knowledge of Jeff Lebby and this offense, and he wants to be part of it. Do I think he's the only portal quarterback? Well, I think if it turns out that he is, we're okay. But I also know that we're still out there. You know, we're still, we still got hooks in the water, and we'll see. And then a better guy will win it out. But, um, you know, listen, we needed a guy that could really challenge defenses vertically. I believe Shapin can do that. We needed a guy that had the mobility to extend plays. And if you go look at some of the stuff they ran at Baylor, and there's probably uh, some videos out there, 15, 20 minutes worth of clips, and you can see he is a very mobile quarterback, even though he's not truly a dual threat. Guy can you know, evade pressure in the pocket and tuck and go when he needs to, but also, too, can get outside and extend plays. Sometimes kind of an undesigned quarterback rollout. You know, he gets flushed and, and he can buy time out there because he is athletic. Uh, so that was big news. And, of course, Dylan Gabriel announces he's going to Oregon. It's pretty clear that our people had uh, an idea that was about to happen. Uh, Dylan was supposed to visit Mississippi State today and then uh, agrees to commit to Oregon. Some people in the national media had that pegged from the beginning. Uh, and it works out. Uh, certainly, if Dylan Gabriel shows up, it makes Mississippi State uh, – you know, much better team from day one, right? But I also understand the allure of being able to go play in a potential playoff team. I got one year left. I want to go do this. Not to mention the uh, the tons of NIL dollars that are available to some of those players. But um, Shapin is now a Bulldog, and so let's embrace him and kind of get behind him. He will be a uh, January enrollment guy and come be a part of all of this. Uh, but uh, I, I like people that want to be here, right? Now, as Melvin Smith told me years ago, you know, the biggest part of recruiting is to convince guys who don't want to be here that they should be here. True. Uh, and it's one of those things, too. It's, it's Sometimes it is a two-, three-year process to get that done. But Blake is a guy that wanted another opportunity. He has it. And uh, now we'll see how things kind of move forward. I'm excited about this. And, of course, Mississippi State adds another quarterback on Sunday. That's right. 247 Sports Composite 4-Star. 
Michael Van Buren, and actually our network has him rated lower than most, which uh, I don't know that I agree with. But, uh, but be that as it may, 20-plus offers for him. And let's just kind of run through the list here, just so you know. And he was actually committed to Oregon. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, State gets a commitment yesterday. He had offers from Oregon and former commitment of Oregon. He committed from those guys. Alabama, Arizona, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Maryland, Miami, Michigan, Oklahoma, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Purdue, Rutgers, Temple, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, West Virginia, and Wisconsin, among others. That is a very, very, very distinguished offer sheet. Michael Van Buren, just at six feet, 185 pounds, from uh, St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland. This is a dude, man. This is a dude. I think you can be excited about this. I think that uh, Michael Van Buren is a guy that could be a program changer for Mississippi State. He is a guy that is athletic enough. Again, uh, kind of like in the Blake Shapin thing, probably a better athlete than Blake, actually. Can tuck it and go. But he has the big arm, and he fits what we want to do. And that's one of the things you look at, right? We talked about when Joe Moorhead first got here. Well, first thing Joe did was go offer Garrett Schrader, and ultimately we got him, and he was our starter for a year, and then you know has started extensively at Syracuse. But you like to see your coach get his guy. And certainly we would love to have Dylan Gabriel as a stopgap guy while Michael Van Buren and Chris Parson and those guys continue to develop. But you liked being able to see your guy, who is an offensive-minded coach, be able to go get the quarterback that he wants from the high school ranks. And all this transfer portal stuff is great, but it's short-lived. It is. So it would be nice to have a guy that can come in here and be a two- or three-year starter. And perhaps Van Buren can be that. We'll see. I'm sure the best chance is to redshirt him this year. You know, let Chris Parson be the backup. You know, we'll see how things go. Depends on who all we sign, right? But uh, this last week, a lot of people were like, well, I don't understand the Josh Flowers thing. Listen, I love Josh Flowers. Now, Josh Flowers is pretty raw when it comes to the passing mechanics, but he's a great athlete. He's a great young man. But he's not a great fit for the new offense. He was a great fit for Kevin Barbet's offense uh, because he needed to have that RPO option in his game. He's not a guy that's going to be able to line up in the shotgun and just survey the field and play pitch and catch all day. That's not who he is. That's not to say that he's better or worse. The bottom line is he just wasn't a great fit for us since we made the coaching change. We wish Josh the best, and I hate it, man. That's, that's the def- difficult part of this business is you get down here at the end, the kid's already bought the T-shirt, been to all the ball games, helped you recruit, and then you've got a coaching change, and there's some things that change philosophically, and they find themselves on the outside looking in. Uh, but Mississippi State has upgraded here as a passer and upgraded as a fit. I'm excited about it. You should be as well. I think it's one of those things you look at and you just think to yourself, did this really just happen? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And Michael Van Buren told me yesterday that uh, he is uh, working hard to go ahead and help put this class together. Michael Van Buren, I put a note out yesterday about who we're kind of on the commitment watch for yesterday. And uh, most of that came through, but I was told that A. Van Buren may wait and announce on signing day that ESPN wanted him to wait and do it then. But Michael Van Buren and his dad, his family, said, you know what, hey, we want to help put this class together. We want Michael to be a drawing card to help Coach Lebig in Mississippi State say, hey, here's the quarterback. Here you go. And so that's what's happened now. So Michael, I think, as I said on Bo Bounce Show this morning, I think it says a lot about him as a person and about his commitment to Mississippi State. 
that he was a guy that's like, hey, yeah, I could have my national moment on ESPN. I could do that. I could wait and do it on signing day. And it'd be great for me. But it may not be as great for Mississippi State. He said, but Steve, you get some national publicity. That's true. And we're going to get some of that anyway. But my point being is that Michael Van Buren needed to be public. Michael Van Buren needed to be a drawing card for Mississippi State and Jeff Levy. And it was Michael Van Buren that said, you know, hey, I wanted to go ahead and make my decision and get it out there publicly because I'm, I'm recruiting these guys to come join me at Mississippi State. And so you go and do that public. It's like, hey, I'm not just talking about it. I am about it. So let's go ahead and push this thing out here and get it done. It's pretty exciting stuff. So big, big commitment for Jeff Levy. And uh, really the highlight of the weekend. And there were, there were a lot of things to be excited about. Uh, the first commitment of the day was San Francisco McGee. No big surprise there. You know, he was a guy that was expected to flip to Mississippi State. Uh, I want to go back a little bit here and talk about this San Francisco McGee recruitment a little bit. So San Francisco was a guy from the outset. Once I verified his size, I was like, you know, we need to have this kid. And uh, interestingly enough, Mississippi State's uh, 247 network has him rated as an 87, which is a little bit higher than the composite. My hope is is that uh, he will have the opportunity uh, to look good this week in practice and um, and maybe get another point or two on his ranking. And I'll be down there on Wednesday. We'll record that Wednesday show Tuesday night before I head down to Hattiesburg. But Frisco was a guy from the outset that was um, a guy that Mississippi State and Chad Bumpus targeted. And after he came to camp, Big Dog Camp, he was absolutely electric in camp. And you're like, you know, we get, we got to have this guy. we got to have this guy. We went from thinking, hey, this guy would be a pretty good player for us. Thinking, you know what, we, we need to have him. He asked the people close to him to push him up there at Ole Miss to go to, on an unofficial visit, and then all of a sudden he announces for Ole Miss. Guys, that commitment was as tenuous as anything as you've ever seen. In his heart, he wanted to be at Mississippi State. Tried to make some other people happy and then decommitted – uh, a week before his visit. So right around December the 1st, he decommits from Ole Miss. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about you know him flipping. He elects to wait and do it on his visit. And so now he's a Bulldog. This is a great get for Mississippi State. I know a lot of people like, I think in many respects, Frisco has kind of been overshadowed by Stonka Burnside and J.J. Harrell in the minds of many fans because they have more stars next to their name. These guys as a trio – can be outstanding, absolutely outstanding, completely different players. But Fresco is a guy that's kind of that power X guy. You know, he's about 6'3", but he's got a ridiculous catch radius. He knows how to elevate, has good ball skills, physical, physical, physical wide receiver. Had a really good year this year. Uh, so people are like, oh, well, Ole Miss said they dropped him. So they didn't. But so what if they do? Does it change his value as a player? Absolutely, it does not. San Francisco McGee is a dude. This is a great get for Mississippi State. And again, when you begin to factor all this thing in together, you know, Burnside, Harold, McGee, on top of that, Mario Craver. We'll talk about him next. You begin to see that Chad Bumpus is doing work for Mississippi State. Now, did we have some issues at wide receiver on the field this year? Yeah, we did. We did. And that'll be corrected. But when you begin to think about how we're recruiting at the wide receiver position and what that means for next year, like I think about Caleb Cunningham, 
who is extremely close to Stonka Burnside and extremely close to J.J. Harrell, these are the things that are important. These are the things that guys grow up reading about these guys in the paper and reading the recruiting interviews and seeing the stuff on social media, and you're like, I want to go play with those guys. If Mississippi State lands Caleb Cunningham, and I expect them to do so, it's not just going to be about geography, the fact that he's just up the road there at Ackerman. It's going to be because of the relationships with the players that he'll be playing with, guys that he has kind of leaned on as his recruitment kind of took off and is kind of they've kind of mentored him in many respects. But uh, when you start having that esprit de corps and people start recruiting each other uh, to play together, it makes a difference. And, and not just, hey, hey, I'm the new you know, offensive tackle commitment at Mississippi State. We'd love to have you be a Bulldog. I'm talking guys – that have known each other for a period of years, guys that already have a relationship. It's huge. And so I think getting Frisco in is going to be huge for Mississippi State. I think it's also going to be big for next year. Let's talk about Mario Craver. Mario Craver was expected to commit to Mississippi State. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, 
you got four months of power here and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Ufi is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, the weekend that Zach Arnett was fired. That was the plan. He's like Mississippi State, took his visit to Mississippi State. Let me run down the offer sheet for you here. Pretty impressive stuff. Georgia Tech, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Cal, Cincinnati, Florida, Florida and m Florida State, Grambling, Houston, Kentucky, Louisville, LSU, Marshall, Michigan, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Penn State, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Central Florida, West Virginia, among others. He is uh, listed at 5'11", 165. I think that might be a little bit generous on the height side, but we'll see. But the reality of it is, is, you know, Tulu electing to go pro. You need to bring in the next generation of slot receivers. Mario Craver is electric. He uh, helped win the 6A state title game over the weekend in Clay Chalkville. But this, again, shouldn't have been a surprise. You know, this is something we've been expecting for a while. And um, when I begin to think about what Bumpus is doing right now, right? When I, it helps to have worn the uniform and played in the stadium. It does. Chad Bumpus has already experienced what these young men are about to. So there's credibility in the room. And uh, also, 247 has Mario Kerber ranked as a 90 the composite average is 89.98, so we're a little bit ahead of the industry average there. But I'm excited about what Bump's doing, and you should be too. And that's why you go out and hire Chad Bumpus. Not just so we can all be around him and say, okay, well, Chad's coaching here. No, it's the impact that Chad Bumpus makes on a recruiting trail. It's the impact Chad Bumpus makes on your roster. And these kids love Chad. Now, Chad this year had to, had to kind of coach some guys, and they love him, but guys he didn't recruit. Right, guys he didn't maybe have the relationship with. These guys he has. And so I think these guys are going to play hard for Chad, uh, as they should. And in this offense, we're going to have an opportunity to get out and kind of do some cool things. All right, so now a lot of people want to know, hey, Steve, listen, how do things look? Where are we going from here? And uh, one of the things that I hope that we can breed out of the fan base for future generations 
Um, is can we stop just picking apart everything? I mean, honestly, what, what do we really gain from that? It's like we get a commitment. It's like, well, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's like we never expect state to do well. I do. I, I want state to do well, and I think state's done well. And some would say, but yeah, you were excited about this guy. Yeah, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm wrong. I just don't understand what getting negative gets us. And it's just like as soon as Blake Shapin commits, some people are automatically are negative. We just got a Power 5 quarterback to come in here. And many of you have been so incredibly cruel to Will Rogers and called him a G5 guy, or possibly even a D2 guy. And now all of a sudden we go get a guy that you know, played Power 5 quarterback, you know, a guy that's uh, played in the Big 12, kind of a score him league out there. And uh, we can't figure out how we're going to react to that. I would say let's just be positive and optimistic. I'm not necessarily a trust the coaches guy, right? I'm not thinking, well, just if the coaches want them, it's good enough for me. Uh, no, no, because I've seen our coaches over the years take some really, really bad prospects that we shouldn't have taken. Um, I could run down some linebackers and defensive backs that we've taken over the years that um, – you know, shouldn't have been recruited, much less offered and committed. Um, and so I share that with – yeah, it's okay to have your opinion, for sure. I don't begrudge you that. I've got mine. You're listening to mine on this show. And mine may be a little more qualified than most because I actually get out and go see the kids play. But um, my point being is that it's okay to be excited. It's okay to have some enthusiasm. And it's okay to look at this past weekend and say, you know what? Hey, that was a good weekend for Mississippi State. Mississippi State won this weekend. Mississippi State's recruiting class now up to 36th in the country. There were some people just last week said State won't even crack top 50. We're 36. Good chance to crack top 30. With a little luck, maybe we get in the top 25. It's not going to be a highly rated class, but considering the circumstances, if we get to be in the top 30, possibly top 25, after making a coaching change and after having so many things go against us, that's pretty significant. That includes the fact that we uh, parted ways with uh, Tyler Carter um, out of Vicksburg. And um, really like that young man, really do, and uh, wish him the best. He was always a bit of a developmental prospect, Um, and he still is. And he was a guy that was going to have to work really hard, uh, Tyler Carter was, to to be a difference maker here. But – yeah, you know, my attitude about that, if David Turner usually wants a guy, it, it piques my interest, right? Because this is a guy that knows defensive line play better than most in the country. But uh, we're 36th in the country right now. We've got eight commitments. We have 16 total right now plus the transfer. So that makes uh, 17. Eight of those are from the great state of Mississippi. Two from Alabama, two from Florida, two from Tennessee, one from Louisiana, one from Maryland. You got one quarterback, two running backs. That includes Johnny Daniels, of course. Uh, Wide receiver, we got five. Offensive line, three. Defensive line, two. Linebackers, two. Defensive backs, one. We got to be very heavy on defense this weekend, and uh, we will be. A lot of people want to know about Daniel Hill. Now, Daniel Hill, I think, stayed is in the game there. And for much of his recruitment, I was told, no chance. No chance at all. But we get him to visit. His family comes with him. And now State's in the mix. And I think he's going to make Alabama tell him no. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Last report is that Alabama wanted him as a linebacker. 
I think that he's talented enough to play SEC linebacker or running back. Mississippi State is, re- is recruiting him as a running back. And I'm told that he'd really like to have the ball in his hands. I think Daniel Hill could be a dude on offense. I do. And there was, but, again, there were so many people in the beginning of his recruiting process that, you know what, Steve, there's no point in even interviewing that kid. He's out. He's not going to be going to Mississippi State. He reaches his top six and State gets it. Is that a courtesy mention? I don't know. But I know that Daniel Hill uh, is a, a guy that grew up uh, cheering for Mississippi State in many respects. And now all of a sudden we're in the mix. J.J. Harrell made mention yesterday of that great picture of, of the of Michael Van Buren and Stanka and uh, Craver and others. You know, those six standing out there to, on the Davis Wade field turf, Scott field turf. He said, hey, we're going to go six for six. And if you found out when you saw that picture, okay, we, okay we're expecting J.J., right? And then you get Frisco and you're expected to get Stanka back. You add Michael Van Buren. You add Mario Craver. And you're able to get Daniel Hill. And, of course, Birdside's going to announce at the All-Star game in, in uh, January. And a few days later, Daniel Hill will do the same at his All-American game. And you start thinking about the national publicity this class could get. And, of course, by that time, the hay's in the barn, right? Because those guys are going to sign in December uh, more times than not and then just announce in January. But that gives you some juice. And not just for February. And I don't know how much – I don't know what will still be available in February. I don't know how many roster spots we'll have available at that point. Um, you never know what the portal's going to look like between now and then. But I know that Mississippi State needs some juice. And I know that uh, you know signing a top 30 or potentially top 25 class after a coaching change could do that, especially when some of those guys are going to announce on a national platform. That's an important thing to consider. And it's happened a couple times before, but it's, it's a rarity for us. It really is. But I think that also we talk about 2025 recruiting. All of a sudden, every high school junior in the country is watching these games thinking, man, I want to play in that game. Oh, well, they're picking Mississippi State. Maybe I need to think about Mississippi State. And I think it also reinforces the belief for people like Caleb Cunningham and people like that and Kamario Taylor that, hey, Mississippi State's the way to go. It's important. Guys want to play with winning players. They don't just necessarily want to play with their friends. They want to play with people they respect and people that they know that can help them win games. But it's going to be interesting. Now, we interviewed just about all the visitors yesterday. I think we missed on a couple. Um, Justin Ball from Vanderbilt being one. Ethan Miner and I have texted a little bit. I hope to catch up with him today. Um, but here's the deal, you know. We're going to try to knock these out pretty quick, and we're going to turn the page and get ready for, uh, for this weekend's visitors. And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But the visit list you see today, I think it's got eight names on it. I probably got to take Keaton, Thompson, Keaton Thomas off. He committed to Baylor over the weekend. I'm waiting to hear back from him to see if he uh, still plans to follow through with the visit. I don't expect it, but until we hear from them, we don't, we don't make a move, right? Uh, And so I share that with you uh, because the visit list will change. This is the last visit weekend prior to the December signing period open up. Now, Jaquan Bolden was supposed to visit this weekend, discuss that on Friday. He's going to be here on Wednesday. So we hope to catch up with him after his visit is over and uh, have the opportunity to um, see what he's going to do. He's a guy that from the very beginning I thought would end up at Mississippi State – 
Auburn then gets involved. Arkansas gets involved. Now Cody Kennedy, who was the offensive line coach at Arkansas, is now at Mississippi State. Uh, Bolden's a native of Canton, Mississippi, that said he grew up cheering for the Bulldogs. So we're still relatively optimistic there. And that's a big, big, big prospect, too. You get him in, that's a guy, too, that can come in right away. And that would excite some people, too, uh, to get him in. And then we'll have some visitors later in the week. Of course, those kids from East Mississippi are playing uh, in Little Rock on Wednesday. And so they'll hustle back, get rested up, and get ready for a great weekend at Starkville. Uh, but don't be surprised if some guys you know, some players you know well, pick up some late offers and some late invitations, and uh, your staff has to kind of work through that and keep them from visiting elsewhere. You know, most of the guys, I know just about everybody I spoke to this weekend, said that this was the only visit they planned to take, that they weren't going to be going anywhere next weekend. Jimothy Lewis says he hadn't totally ruled it out but didn't have anything set. Uh, he's committed to Mississippi State, but uh, I won't say keeping his options open, but he's keeping his weekend open just in case something pops up. That's something to watch. You know, you like guys to come off the visit and say, you know what, I'm done, I'm shutting it down. Jimothy said he's going to do right by Mississippi State, but he has not eliminated the possibility of taking a visit. And some of those kids just said those kinds of things just because they want, you know, like to take a trip. Doesn't mean their commitment's in jeopardy, but the thing that I've always learned about that is, is that um, – you're kind of playing with fire. You know, when committed guys go visit elsewhere, it's typically not something that um, is productive for you. It's kind, of, kind of like, you know, do you want your girlfriend dating? Yeah. Well, she's committed to me and we're engaged. However, she went out with a friend. Yeah, you say he's just a friend. You say it. It's true. Yeah, I mean, so those are the things you think about. And if, well, it's a relationship. I, I get it. I'm just trying to use that you know, metaphor to kind of explain uh, you can't fully feel locked in if you feel like they're still shopping. Um, you say, well, you know, I think everything is on track, and ultimately a lot of these kids don't take visits anyway. But they're, you know, now that it's unlimited visits, you know, you'd think there'd be a lot more kids taking visits. But here we are, you know, up against the December calendar with all these all-star games, and there are a lot of guys out there that might want to visit State and they'll miss both that won't get to do so because all those kids that are in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game are playing uh, that game Saturday. So that's important to understand. But uh, that's your commitment update, uh, your recruiting update, and then we'll forecast some things a little bit later in the show. But uh, very, very, very good weekend for Mississippi State and uh, Jeff Levy. All right, uh, let's see here. Top ten list. Let's do that. Uh, Blair Chandler is my friend, your friend. He's our collective friend in the mortgage industry. Let me give you Blair's number right now. It's 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Visit his website, closewithblair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. We have had several Boneyard listeners that have used Blair for their mortgage needs and have come away extremely satisfied. Uh, not that you'd be surprised. 22 years of experience in the industry, back-to-back-to-back years. Top 1% close ratio in the country. He's a, he's a closer. Blair Chandler has the best chance to get you from the application process to the closing table. This is a guy that's done it all and seen it all. Listen, you can trust your mortgage to a lot of people. I would suggest you not do that. Something this important you need to ensure that you are in a situation where you are getting the best service possible, which is too important of a decision. So stick with the winners. Stick with Blair Chandler at closewithblair.com. All right, today's top ten list may uh, hurt the young ears of uh, Blair Chandler. Maybe. 
Yeah. Guys, we're going to rank our top 10 Metallica albums today. Now, one album is not going to make the list, and if you're a hardcore Metallica fan or even a casual fan of the band, you probably know which album that is. It's St. Anger. Did not make my list. I think it's the worst Metallica album uh, other than that Project Lulu thing they did with, uh, with Lou Reed. It was absolutely terrible. I know they did it for themselves. They could have kept it to themselves. It was awful. 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 But St. Anger wasn't much better. And everybody's like, well, the, the mix is bad. Guys, I don't know. If, even if you remixed it, I don't know if it could salvage some of those songs. It just wasn't their best effort. And they're not all going to be first-round picks, man. All right? And here's the thing, too. When you get into a band like Metallica that has such a passionate fan base, you start ranking albums and start picking songs, people are going to say you're an idiot. You know what? I'm prepared to hear that. Because I understand there's not many bands out there, and even in my lifetime, that have the passionate fan base that Metallica does. It's an absolutely loyal fan base. Uh, Peyton Plumley's dad, I can't remember his first name. You have to forgive me. He is, he's seen Metallica like 50 times. He has been to Scotland to see Metallica play inside a castle. How cool would that have been? But there are people like that. I got friends in my life. If Metallica is playing within a five or six hour radius, they're going to the show, even if it's back-to-back nights. Huge, huge following. So forgive me if your favorite album is not my favorite album, but these are mine. Number 10, and I know people are going to say, I can't believe that's number 10. It's hardwired to self-destruct. Um, and again, Metallica kind of got back to being Metallica these last couple of albums. You know, of course, if you've watched some kind of monster, you see the band nearly fell apart. Uh, you know, Jason Newstead, of course, leaves, and they you know, had to you know, hire Robert Trujillo to be the bass player, who's been phenomenal. But um, when you're ranking Metallica albums, there's going to be some albums that uh, have to be on the back end of our list. And so Hardwired to Self-Destruct is number 10. And we're going to go with the song Atlas Rise for our list today. Number nine, the brand new one. And maybe I'm being unfair to this one because I, I try not to have recency bias, but I don't have the emotional connection to this album that I do many others. Metallica is one of a legendary band. It's like, how do you rank Led Zeppelin albums, right? Well, you got to have the first four in the top four. But 72 Seasons, If Darkness Had a Sun is your track. Uh, I like the fact that our new generation has a new album, Metallica Music. I like the album. I think it is better than Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Uh, but, but I'd like to listen to a little bit more of it. I may feel differently. I might even push it up a couple spots on my personal list. Number eight, it's uh, Reload, which was kind of like they had some carryover from the Load album, and uh, they just said, you know what, hey, let's not let this material go to waste. We'll record some more tracks. Uh, one of the probably biggest tracks of the last, you know, 20 years from Metallica, great song called Fuel. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Boom. Number eight, Reload Fuel. Number seven, we're going to go with Load. Uh, I absolutely love this album. I know a lot of people don't. I really like it. You say, but Steve, it's number seven. Yeah, because the quality of everything in front of it is just elite. But we're going to go with King Nothing. Where's your crown? King Nothing. Number seven on today's list. Now, number six, Death Magnetic. I absolutely love this album when it first came out. I still do. And a lot of people, when it first came out, they just turned their nose up at it and said, oh, no. Guys, they got back to playing these six- and seven-minute songs. It was back to being real Metallica. It wasn't being uh, you know, MTV or social media Metallica. 
I thought it was a step back in the right direction. And I think one of the reasons that Hardwired and 72 Seasons have done so well commercially is because of the pathway kind of recarved by Death Magnetic. I could pick a handful of songs here and be happy about it, but I'm going to go with All Nightmare Long. That's my song from Death Magnetic. And we, of course, there's The Day That Never Comes, which is phenomenal. It was a tough decision for me on this album. It really was. But All Nightmare Long, number six on my list. All right, now we get into um, we get into the good stuff, right? We get into the top five here, and this is where the arguments are going to come. And I know as soon as I say this, there are going to be people who say, Steve, you're crazy. That's okay. But number five for me is Kill Em All. It is. It's the debut record. It is great. It's raw. It was on Metal Force. It wasn't produced exceptionally well. The remaster version is much better. Uh, Dave Mustaine, of course, was a huge part of the band at the time. His alcoholism uh, led to him being pushed out. Of course, he was replaced with Kirk Hammett uh, from Exodus. But I thought the album Metallica hadn't truly found their sound yet. But you know, if, now that you know them, when you go back and listen to it, you can hear in those early tracks kind of the direction they were going. Over the course of my lifetime, I've had, I've had different favorite songs on this album. But the one that I covered with one of my bands was Seek and Destroy. I could still pull that off. Seek and Destroy from Kill Em All is your number five track. And it's so funny. People are like, every teenager in America has played that song on a guitar. Like, hey, do you know Seek and Destroy? Yeah, when I was 16. Yeah. Uh, number four. And again, some people are going to get their feelings hurt here. And that's okay. We can all love each other and disagree. But it's a self-titled Black Album. Yeah, it's number four for me. And I'll be honest with you, and, and maybe one of the reasons I don't like this one as much as some of the others is this is when all the whole sellout stuff started, right? People are like, oh, they're doing all these videos and things like that. They said, never do that stuff. And Metallica got a bigger audience because of MTV. And they toured, I think, for three years on this album. And all of a sudden, we had like the fringe rock fans kind of come in. And you want that for the band. But I think there's some people in the Metallica fan base who was like, no, this is mine. And so I think it was a very difficult time uh, for, uh, for the Metallica fan base. But uh, I'm always about adding members. But I thought the album itself kind of strayed a little bit away from who Metallica really was. I thought, to be honest with you, I thought it was written kind of commercially. It's true. That's how I feel. You may feel differently. Uh, but I want to go with Sad But True from the Black Album. Many of you would say, Steve, you got to go Inner Sandman. I think it's overplayed. I love it. But we're going to go with Sad But True. Number three. Now, I think that most of my hardcore Metallica fans will agree with my top three. I think the French fans may disagree with how I've ranked the whole list. But I think the true Metallica fans... Well, see, so you know what? Steve got those right. may not agree with the songs, but I agree with the order of albums. Number three, and believe it or not, it was the first Metallica album that I bought on cassette. And then I went back and bought the back catalog. I, one of my friends, Jason Dossey, who was uh, now a very esteemed collegiate professor, uh, he looks like a guy from the Adams family. And, and uh, not in the way that I do, right? It's true. Uh, but all that I understood, I want to make sure that everybody understands this. The um, And Justice for All is my real major introduction. I used to borrow Jason stuff. Uh, but I bought my own one, and it's Harvester of Sorrow for me. Could have gone Blackened, could have gone One, but 
but I went with my favorite harvester of sorrow. Number two, it's a big one. It's one of those iconic records of all time. It's Ride the Lightning. And you guys know it. If you've been to a Mississippi State game, you know the song. It's For Whom the Bell Tolls, number two on your list. Number one for me, though. And I'm so glad to see this song get new life thanks to Stranger Things. It's my favorite Metallica album and the favorite song on that album. It's Master of Puppets and Master of Puppets. And uh, as soon as uh, that came out and um, Eddie's up there playing Master of Puppets in, um, in the Upside Down, Ani texted me and said, you know what the number one song in America is going to be on Monday? It's going to be Master of Puppets. It's time to make America rock again. So I was happy to see it. Uh, so that's how I see it. Master of Puppets, I think, is a masterpiece. I think it's Kirk Hammett's best work. Uh, I really think that Kirk Hammett is probably the unsung hero in this band. A lot of people go to Lars and they go to James because they have these big personalities. Kirk is a much more subdued guy, but he is an absolute maestro on the guitar. And I think that there are a lot of people that look at him and don't fully appreciate his contributions. Uh, but uh, I think Master of Puppets is one of the highlights of his career. That's my top 10. You got ideas for the top 10 list? Reach out, let me know. Uh, you never know, we might use them. Best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. Um, you know, we have a good time with this, and I want to thank Roy for all he does for the show. Very appreciative of his contributions. And uh, I think everybody needs to uh, give Roy a follow on Twitter and on Spotify. You can find our great list on Spotify, also under the handle Dogmatic67. That's your top ten list for today. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces neatly positioned on the backside of campus. Just make the turn off of 182 right there at the trooper station. Don't speed through there. Don't get crazy. Don't take any chances. And just before you get to campus, there's Campus Bookmart right there on the left. Go by and see their smiling faces and peruse their fine selections of Mississippi State merchandise. If you can't make it to town, Visit them on the World Wide Web. We encourage you to always support Starkville businesses. If you love Mississippi State, you want to make sure Starkville is a thriving place. Look no further for your Mississippi State merchandise than Campus Bookmark. CampusBookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. And I'm going to be there this Saturday from 1 to 3. So come by and say hello. The uh, first book signing at Campus Bookmark with the new book. I'm excited about that. It's doing exceptionally well. Thank you for your support. And I'll be this Friday, I'll be at Lemuria at noon. Lemuria at noon in Jackson, Mississippi. Friday, Jackson, Saturday, Campus Bookmark. Come take part in all that. Let's talk a little basketball. How excited were you Saturday? Uh, I missed the first part of the game. Had to listen to it on the radio as I uh, had to run down to Jackson. Got home in time to uh, watch the second half. Guys, I love an angry Mississippi State team. I do. And the Bulldogs came out and played with some vigor in this game, and it really never felt like the game was in doubt. That's not a bad two-lane team either. And we talked about that on Friday's show. We couldn't just show up and go through the motions and expect to win that game. And we didn't. We went out there and played as deliberately and as passionately as we have in years. Again, against a two-lane team. It's pretty good. 
Bulldogs 62 to 34 leaders at the break. Nuts, man. Absolutely nuts. And in-state wins the second half despite the fact that we coasted a little bit, 44-42. Final score of 106 to 76. It's brutal, man. It's brutal. Absolutely brutal. Uh, but the reality of it is, is Bulldogs won a game we had to win. Terrible week last week. But my goodness, man, how great was it to see this team play. And it wasn't just one guy that just came out there and had a big day. Now, Josh Hubbard was phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Five of seven from beyond the arc for 22 points to lead the Bulldogs. Guys, you had five players and double figures. Jimmy Bell, really back to form for him. 14 points, just to four rebounds, but we weren't missing many shots. Cam Matthews just played 14 minutes. He had 14 points. How great is that? DJ Jeffries, good DJ this week. 24 minutes of action, 11 points, four rebounds. Also had seven assists against zero turnovers. You got to love it. Shaquille Moore, just 16 minutes of action. He's five of six from the floor, 11 points. Rams Davis, 21 minutes, uh, just three points for him. That was a uh, shot from beyond the arc, but also uh, had dished out six assists and had five steals. So what he didn't do in the uh, points column, he did everywhere else. We mentioned Josh Hubbard. I mean, just what, what else can you say, man? Kids on, on pace to be a freshman All-American. Keyshawn Murphy comes off the bench, pitches in seven. Andrew Taylor with six. Uh, Jaquan Scott with six. Sean Jones Jr. with five. Guy Chole with four. And if you haven't already, go over to jeanspage.com and you can read an incredible feature that Justin Frommer wrote for free about Guy Chole, about Atlanta, about how great it was. Trey Ford was a hero early on, just played nine minutes for us, uh, three points as he um, made one basket and converted a free throw. But uh, pretty phenomenal effort for throughout the roster there. Bulldogs shoot 58.6% from the floor. In the first half, nearly 68%. It's phenomenal, as Ben Hallen would say. 23 made baskets on 34 attempts in the first half. 10 of 17 from beyond the arc. That dog will hunt. State 13 of 28 on the night. Got to get a little bit better at the free throw line. It's 11 of 18, but... Uh, you can't pick apart the game here. 56 points in the paint, 22 off turnovers, 18 second-chance points, 16 on the break, and 53 off the bench. Tulane just didn't know what hit them. It was absolutely amazing to see what a great job. Uh, Tulane pulled down 27 boards, Bulldogs with 43. And just absolutely stifling that perimeter defense. Uh, Tulane just 4 of 12 from beyond the arc in the first half, 1 of 12 in the second half. So a good three-point shooting team is held to five of 24 from beyond the arc for just over 20%. Great, great, great result. And now all of a sudden we feel like we're back on track. And, uh, you know, we didn't expect to lose to Southern by any stretch of the imagination, but we did. You can't go back and fix that. All you can do is move forward, and it's clear that Chris Jans got their attention in practice this week. Players came out with a lot more focus a tremendous effort. Uh, Bulldogs back in action this Wednesday night, also back in Humphrey Coliseum. That is a 6.30 tip against Murray State. We'll talk a little bit about that game uh, on Wednesday's show. But uh, the racers rolling back in the town. Remind you, too, Sunday, December the 17th, we're having the uh, Magnolia Madness game in Tupelo. It's Christmas break here. Kids are gone. Finals are over. We've already had fall graduation. 
But if you hadn't done so, buy some tickets for this game. Even if you don't plan to attend, there are some uh, very inexpensive tickets, and the you know the, the profits of this game uh, go to the Mississippi State NIL Collective, the Bulldog Initiative. That's this Sunday, and we're in it too. We're, we're helping to sponsor the game. Uh, I'm not going to be able to attend, but um, nevertheless, we want to support Mississippi State's efforts, and so we're not just out here advocating for you to do so. We're doing so as well, and uh, so we are a sponsor of this game. Uh, but it's not really about us getting visibility. It's about doing the right thing uh, for Mississippi State uh, basketball. So we want you to be a part of that. And even if you can't attend the game, it'd be great if you could buy tickets and then donate them to a local charity. Uh, but we want this to be a big event, whether it's heavily attended or not. We'd like to sell out all these tickets. And you can order tickets through Ticketmaster. You can transfer them electronically. Uh, we encourage you to be a part of that as uh, Bulldogs. Get ready to wrap up a non-conference schedule here pretty soon. And uh, that's uh, one of the final games, I guess, that's, um, you know, away from Starkville. We'll go to Rutgers, too, for the Gotham Classic. But uh, good non-conference results so far despite last week's showing. But uh, it was good to see the Bulldogs come out with some urgency. And really, I like it when we're angry. I, I do. I like angry teams. I don't want them to be emotional. But I want teams to come out there and be very deliberate in what they want to do. Now, the ladies will look to uh, snap their two-game losing streak this evening at Humphrey Coliseum. It's going to be a 6.30 tip against Kennesaw State. Of course, uh, last week the Bulldogs lose to Miami and UT Chattanooga. I was in attendance for that Miami game, and we just simply couldn't get rebounds. So just without Jessica Carter, uh, they had a great rebound, and it really, really gave us trouble. And UT Chattanooga uh, gets us at their place. And uh, we need to get some people healthy. And uh, hopefully you can make it out for the game we are, uh, you know, previously committed to something else, but uh, Robbie Falk will have full coverage for us uh, over jeanspage.com and uh, appreciate his contributions to things. But looking ahead here, uh, Kennesaw State is just three of four on the year, and they've lost all three games on the road. That includes uh, a trip to Vanderbilt where they got beat 98-51. They beat life. What an accomplishment that is. They beat life by 17 points. I don't know that any of us can say we'd be live. Congratulations, Kennesaw State. Uh, They lose at Georgia State 62-52 and get drilled at Georgia Tech 77-38. They bounce back with a win over the Owls of Florida Atlantic 57-43 and then lose at home to UT Chattanooga. How about that? 49-43. They drill Coastal Georgia 82-25, and now they'll head to Humphrey Coliseum this evening. If you were in attendance... Uh, at the Kennesaw State uh, Convocation Center over the weekend, you got a Gold Rush T-shirt. Yeah, how about that? Not sure you're going to get any free gifts tonight. Uh, we need the Bulldogs to win, get back on the uh, the winning side of things. Uh, haven't heard about Sam Purcell's availability. I was told it wasn't um, incredibly serious, that he did miss some time. Uh, but, yeah, we, we expect him back. And, of course, uh, ladies will have a chance to play three this week. Kennesaw State tonight. On Thursday night, they'll host Jackson State, and then we'll travel to Memphis. So uh, not a lot of windshield time for us this week, but next week, uh, ladies head to Colorado State. Uh, and that's uh, it could be a difficult game there. But uh, need to get a win tonight and get back on the winning side of things. That's an Im- Im- absolutely imperative for us. We're, we're, we're a really good women's basketball team, especially when we're fully healthy. Uh, the team has done the best they can to kind of overcome some of these absences, but hopefully we'll get everybody back. 
Uh, ladies are eight and two. Uh, it'd be nice to capture a win tonight. Just kind of, you know, kind of you know, get a bit of a palate cleanser. You know what I mean? Just kind of get that behind us for a little bit. Kind of get excited about uh, what is to come. But uh, that's your basketball update. And of course, neither team's going to be ranked this week, and that's okay. That's okay. We when we play in our best basketball at the end of the year, just keep winning along, plug along, get in a conference play, get in the tournament, be playing our best basketball at the end of the year. Uh, as we did, you know, Sam Purcell and Letty did an amazing job last year. Uh, won a couple games in a tournament, uh, the play-in game, and of course the round of 32 game, and nearly beat Notre Dame. Maybe you've forgotten. Uh, so I believe Sam's doing a good job. I think everybody sees that as well. But, uh, again, just cannot say enough about the performance for the Mississippi State men uh, on Saturday. And, I, again, I think we're going to be fine. I think we're going to be fine. You're never as bad as your worst loss, and you're never as good as your best win. Right? Let's just kind of remember that as we move forward. Mississippi State is a good team on the men's and the women's side. I don't think there's any question about that. We'll get an SEC play. I don't know if anybody really wants to deal with us. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you're looking to bring a large group to Starkville, look no further than a Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google it, right? There's no fancy website. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. It'll take you to their Facebook page, see pictures of the property. It's also going to give you some options to book, and you're going to need to book through the Evolve website. We can save you a little money. Use promo code BSR10 when you book the Stark Vegas Clubhouse through Evolve. Now, there's going to be options that you can book elsewhere, but you won't be able to save the money you can. It's an insider trading secret right here at the Boneyard. For Boneyard listeners only, no matter who you cheer for. So whether you're bringing a work crew in the town, you know, maybe you're working on the university campus, maybe you've got, uh, you know, maybe you're bringing people in, you've got two tours to take. I don't know what your needs are. But if you've got a lot of people with you and you need five bedrooms, they've got five bedrooms. If you need a fire pit, they've got a fire pit. If you need a wet bar, they got that too. If you need a kitchen where you can just buy groceries and just cook for the crew, they can do that for you. Yeah, how about that? But maybe you're coming for a ball game weekend. Maybe it's a basketball thing and you're going to double dip and watch the men one night, women the next, and just kind of bring everybody up for a family gathering. Wouldn't that be wonderful to have everybody stay together instead of go book five hotel rooms? It just makes getting together that much easier when everybody can do it under one roof. So visit the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Again, just Google it and book to Evolve. Promo code BSR10 saves you 10% off your stay. Just because of the fact that I love you. Yeah, that's right. I love you. Uh, and I can't wait to use that facility myself. And next time we have everybody in town, that's what we're going to do. You say, but Steve, wouldn't they stay at your house? Hey, we've outgrown the house, man. I got this big house and I got all these dogs and everything else. But uh, it's a special event, so we're going to make special arrangements, and we're going to stay at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. All right, let's talk a little bit about what's left for recruiting. And that's where we are, right? It's uh, Guys, it's the dead period starts a week from the day. I guess it's a quiet period on Sunday, and then the dead period begins on Monday, and then people will sign on Wednesday. Another reminder, I'm going to keep saying this. I'm going to beat this in your heads. And I need you to help me. Out in the Facebook groups, the social media world, I, I can't be the lone voice in the wilderness, right? Transfer players do not sign a national letter of intent. So they are not bound by the signing date windows. Does that make sense? Because what's going to happen is next Wednesday, when we announce our signing class, people are going to be like, hey, but where are all the transfers? Well, they don't sign. They'll be announced when they enroll, but they don't sign. And the university can't announce them until they're officially enrolled. 
or at least cleared for classes, you know, paid their fees, all that kind of stuff. But, um, but that's what's going to happen inevitably. Now, the good thing is we still have about a month with transfers, and uh, we have some transfers on campus this week. Got some midweek visits going on. Kendrick Bingley-Jones from North Carolina, a guy that David Turner recruited when he was in Florida, yeah, is on campus today. And uh, so we hope to catch up with him in the next day or two once his visit is over and uh, break down, hey, what he's talking about. Uh, Jaquan Bolden, as I mentioned earlier, will be here on uh, Wednesday. And uh, don't rule out some other midweek visitors. Now, Bolden, of course, because he is a junior college prospect, will have the ability to sign next week. But there's going to be a ton of things out there when it comes to these uh, transfer stuff because people are going to panic because they know our needs. And so I need you to help me with that, to educate people. And we're not being arrogant about it. I'm just saying people get frustrated. It's like even just past weekend, I go out there and I post uh, you know, the commitment story of uh, Michael Van Buren, which is huge news, huge. And one of the first responses I get is, well, yeah, what about defensive linemen out of the portal? Can we not just celebrate the fact that we got a four-star quarterback, right? And so people are laser-focused on this issue because they understand we're going to need – especially some guys in the secondary, the defensive line, uh, to put together a functional defense next year. Everybody knows it. We all see it. But let's make sure we all understand that, hey, no matter what happens between now and Wednesday, we got room and we got effort that's being made to ensure that we have the players necessary for us to to put together a good team. We think the offense is going to be really good, right? Got to find some offensive linemen. Um, so I just say that because, and I'm going to repeat it every show, and no matter how many times we repeat it, post on the message boards, talk about it in the Facebook groups, on Twitter, Instagram, Snap, Signal, whatever motive, uh, motive operations you use for your social media traffic, there's going to be that one guy out there that, uh, and there's a bunch of them. There's only one guy that posts, but there's a bunch of them out there that have the same line of thinking. They're going to think, you know, hey, we want to send all these junior college guys and high school guys, but where are the transfers? Well, that's coming. Everybody just relax. Can everybody calm down, please? Please? Now, let's take a look here. Uh, we talked about some of the visitors from the weekend. Let's kind of look ahead here. We, uh, we have several. They're going to be making the trip. And, again, this list, again, is fluid. And, and I, I share that with you because just like even last week, we tipped off the Kyle McCord may come. And then ultimately he didn't. And so I always try to confirm with the visitors themselves that they're coming. Because we get tips all the time. This guy's coming, this guy's coming. Then all of a sudden you get a hold of him and it's like, well, yeah, I was going to go there. But I got an opportunity to go here. Or Mississippi State fills a spot. You know, there, there are things that happen. And so we're going to do our best to keep you updated. It's going to be you know, another pretty big list here as we get into it. Uh, as I mentioned, um, Bingley Jones is on campus. Should be should be arriving right around now if he's not already. And um, Jaquan Bolden comes in on Wednesday. But um, so as it stands right now, these are the ones we've confirmed. We've got maybe a handful others that we're, we've got some messages out and some calls in, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to interview some of these guys to preview the visit. But um, Jaden Lewis from Anniston, Alabama, a former Auburn commitment, set to visit Mississippi State, was offered by Matt Barnes just last night. They had a pre-existing relationship from uh, 
you know, um, Barnes' time at Memphis. Now, Jaden, of course, uh, was committed to Auburn until October. He elected to back off of that decision. Uh, still wants to play in the Southeastern Conference. He is going to kind of go through the bit of a um, imposition to visit Mississippi State. He's going to actually – the current plan, and it may change, is, uh, you know, on Friday they don't, they don't do a lot at the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star stuff. So the plan is going to come up, leave Hattiesburg, after his responsibilities are done there, come spend some time at Mississippi State, go back, play the game, and then go back to Starkville to finish out the visit. You don't think that kid's interested? Absolutely incredible. You know, so we'll see, you know, how things work out with him. But uh, you got to feel like, you know, State's in a pretty good position with him. I'm sure we think so. Uh, especially to chance, another chance to play in the SEC. Arkansas is still in the mix with him a little bit. Uh, but the fact that uh, he's willing to go through such an inconvenience to come visit our campus, I think, suggests a lot about uh, his feelings. Xavier Gaten from Brookhaven had the Bernard Blackwell Classic last weekend, or he would have been on campus uh, with the regular visitors. He initially was scheduled to be here on the 8th and then was selected to play in that game rather than the Miss Al game. So all the guys in the Miss Al game will be there this weekend, and uh, the Bernard Blackwell guys – uh, from last weekend, will be on campus. And, of course, State just has the one with Xavier Gaten now that uh, Tyler Carter has decommitted. As I mentioned earlier, Tyler, Wood- Tyler Woodard and Ashawn Shepard from East Mississippi uh, playing for an AFL championship in Little Rock, Ar- Arkansas on Wednesday. Uh, they're set to visit this weekend. It does appear that uh, uh, that Ross will come with them. You know, So we'll see. And Johnny Daniels from Colin said here to be this weekend. And Samir Camacho a guy that John Cooper, one of the first calls that he made was to offer Samir Camacho, and I think in many respects he is going to prove to be the replacement for Kassan Shepard uh, from Germantown, Tennessee, who recently decommitted. Uh, you can call that whatever you want. But uh, as I mentioned, Marcus Ross was a guy that uh, uh, from East Mississippi will be later this week too. Keaton Thomas is a guy that committed to Baylor but still may visit Mississippi State. I've been in contact with him today. I'll post that in the bones a little bit later. Uh, but he is a guy, too, that uh, we're expecting some big things from. Uh, and we'll see. You know, this is a – this is a, if you were going to create a linebacker, this is what he would look like. 6'2", 230, ultra-productive guy. And uh, there have been some big ones come out of Northeast Mississippi Community College in Boonville. There have been. There's absolutely no question about that. Uh, that that's a big aspect of all of this is not just going out there and getting guys that are highly rated, but get guys that come in here and help us. And Keaton's not highly rated, but – this is a power five linebacker, and Dave Aranda obviously knows defense at Baylor. If um, if he wants to come, I think you got to figure that thing out. Uh, San Diego State offensive lineman Cade Bennett spoke to him last week. He's expected to be in town this week. It's another guy that's got connections with the staff. You know, another guy uh, because of his line coach who had uh, relationships with our guys. Now all of a sudden. He's interested in visiting Mississippi State. He, he wants a chance to compete on a Power 5 level. I spoke to Louisiana Tech wide receiver Cyrus Allen last week, and Cyrus is set to visit Mississippi State this week. Uh, another guy that's uh, trying to get out and get to the Power 5 level. And he goes, hey, I want to test my skills about the best players in the country uh, and, and kind of see what happens. Uh, Colin Fox, our network, had a story on him. I believe it was Steve Wolfong that had that. He's set to visit this weekend too. I'll double-check with him as the week goes on. Uh, to confirm that he is going to be here. And uh, UTEP transfer wide receiver Kelly Akaharia 
also set to visit, and uh, we'll check in with him and just kind of see as things go. Because here's what happens, man. Over the course of a week's time, things get jumbled around. And uh, so we will do our best to kind of keep you abreast of that. And when we get into Friday, we'll tell you who we're expected to come. And it's one of those things, too, like Samir Camacho went to visit Texas State and was going to go visit Mississippi State this week and TCU the next. Uh, TCU wanted him to come in this weekend. Mississippi State was okay with him coming next. And so they flip-flopped the dates. And so what, what we report today could change tomorrow. And uh, that's important to understand, that as, as the week goes on, things begin to change. Now, you're probably saying, Steve, you know, where do we need players? Well, we need them all over. But when you begin to think about the transfer portal guys and the junior college guys, we definitely need some guys in the offensive line and, of course, on defense. Uh, We talked about our secondary last year. You know, we have got to find some guys this year. Uh, We had some guys we took in the portal last year that didn't make much of a contribution. Uh, Kamari Rogers is a guy that we really need. I think think the change in coaching staff may be good for him uh, because I think even though he's not the biggest guy, he's a guy that plays exceptionally hard. And I think that he is a guy that uh, could be a hero this spring and maybe work his way into some playing time. Uh, DeCarlos Nicholson entered the NCAA transfer portal. A lot of discussion. He may end up going to Memphis. Uh, I, I think, you know, is he a guy that's going to be all SEC for you? No, but you want him back. And so if he decided to pull out of the portal, that'd be a good thing. Uh, DeCamerion Richardson is expected to get his NFL draft feedback before making a decision about turning pro. If he does play college ball, we do expect him to be back in a Bulldog uniform next year. But when you begin to look at the gravity of all that, we rattle all these names out, and you went out and got these guys last year out of the portal to kind of shore up your secondary and kind of replenish what you lost there. Uh, it didn't work out well. you know. So we've got to hit on some kids in the portal, especially that secondary. You look at the defensive line, though, I don't think – we've got to get some guys there. Okay, let me go ahead and get that established. We have to get some guys there. But that understood, I don't know that the need is as emergent on the defensive line as it is in the secondary because of the fact we expect Demonte Russell to be back. We expect Trevion Williams to be back. We expect Calvin Dinkins to be back. Of course, uh, Williams and Dink uh, had season-ending injuries this year. Uh, but those are guys that we think a lot of. And then we're going to find some other guys to come in here and compete with them. Uh, that's apparent. But I don't think it's a situation where you got to go out and get four or five more guys. You know, you got you know three guys right now, but uh, with some of the losses that we're anticipating and the fact that you you got a couple guys that are banged up, you know, you got to get some reps from some of those younger guys. And uh, there were some guys through this past year that uh, David Turner said it was very, very tempting uh, to pull the red shirt off of them to go play. And of course, thankfully, uh, Nathan Pickering and, Jaden Cromedy uh, were able to hold up for us this year for the most part, and, and uh, so we didn't have to do that. So now we have four years of eligibility to work with for whatever that's worth in the transfer portal era. Uh, a lot of discussion about running back, too. You know, Steve, do we really need three running backs? Well, I think we do, especially when you consider the fact that Woody Marks is in the portal. Now, we'd like to have Woody back. We would. We all love Woody. And Woody's been banged up a lot this year. He's tried to battle through all this stuff and be a warrior for us. Uh, I'll, ever, I'll forever be grateful for the contributions of, uh, of Woody Marks. But when you look at what Dylan Johnson's done this year, Woody may be thinking, you know what, maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. You know, maybe I get an opportunity to showcase my skill somewhere else with a proven winner with Mississippi State this year 
maybe rebuilding a little bit. It's a brand new offense, and you know, if I got to go learn a new offense, maybe I can just go be a plug and play guy somewhere. So I don't fault him, and we certainly hate it, but I think it makes your needs at running back a little more emergent. Seth Davis tears the ACL. So now you've got Trevion Lee, who's back, Jeffrey Pittman, who's back, and then it's basically who else you sign. So, yeah, yeah, we're looking uh, at, at taking some backs. Johnny Daniels is a guy that we, li- we like a lot. And of course, if uh, you know, Xavier Gaten's a guy that, that could play running back, but he also could play safety. You know, he, he's a guy that will play whatever you want him to play. He's just a football player. So if you bring him in, let's say that Daniel Hill wants to come, you just keep the athlete label on Gaten and maybe move him to safety. The kid's got ball skills. He handles the ball well. He's very explosive. I don't know if you don't make a wide receiver out of him. I mean, goodness gracious. But when you have guys that have that level of versatility, they give you options. You're not pigeonholed into a position. Now, that's important to understand. I think receiver-wise, we're in good shape. Wouldn't hurt us to take a guy out of the portal because of the fact that we do have some older guys leaving. Is Avion Thomas. I don't expect him back. I think he'll announce for LSU at any moment now. Um, that's an NIL deal in many respects. But when you begin to work through that, you begin to realize – uh, we've got numbers, we've got talent, we don't have a ton of experience, and so it may help us to go out and get a, a portal guy. And maybe that's where Kelly Akahara comes in. Um, so, again, I hope to speak to him uh, prior to his visit on Friday. We, uh, we, we have traded some messages, but, uh, again, I like to speak to guys directly uh, rather than just kind of go from um, what's in the wind or what sources tell me because things change. Uh, you know what the linebacker situation looks like? You lose losing Deshaun Page, you lose Bookie Watson, you lose Jet Johnson, and you've got some young guys out there at the light hadn't come on for just yet. So you got to go out there and get some dudes. There's no question about that. you got to go out there and get some dudes. And uh, you got to feel good about what you have and what you're looking for. It's one of those things, too. And I, just, I get so incredibly wound up sometimes looking at this and thinking about you know where we are. And, uh, and here's your actual – Number. Number. Uh, we have one quarterback, two running backs in the class, five receivers, three offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, two linebackers, and one defensive back. And uh, so a couple of big linebackers, Marcus Ross and Keaton Thomas, potentially could visit this weekend, and we expect Ross and Thomas is still deciding. Uh, that's big. I mentioned four earlier. That, that included our, our visitors. But um, – we have got to do well. As it stands today, you got five defensive players committed. Five. And so that's not enough. And so, again, it's going to be a big defensive weekend, and hopefully we get some commitments. I'm also expecting some of the guys that visited this past weekend to announce their commitments this week. We could see something from Justin Ball from Vanderbilt. I've heard some favorable things about him. Ethan Miner, the center. Uh, from North Texas, relationship with Coach John Cooper. Uh, I, I think those things, there's a good chance of those things happening. And, when, and you go back and look at our visits for last week, too. Uh, let's do that real quickly before we, in, in the few moments that we have together here, here at the end. But uh, Daniel Hill, uncommitted, undeclared, going to announce on, uh, at the National All-Star Game. I wouldn't call him a Bulldog lean, but the Bulldogs are in the game. Michael Van Buren, of course, commits. J.J. Harrell, a longtime commitment. Braylon Burnside, 
Former commitment, we do expect him to re-announce for Mississippi State. Terrence Hibbler, of course, uh, visited this weekend. We hadn't had a chance to talk to him yet, working on that. Uh, but Terrence about to leave for the uh, All-American game out in San Antonio. Mario Craver visits and commits. Jimothy Lewis, a commitment visited. Ja'Cory Whitehead, same thing. He's good to go. Brandon Jennings, of course, Frisco commits. T.J. Lockhart, locked in. Fred Clark, Luke Work. You know, all of those things matter. And, and you start looking back in hindsight, and you start kind of thinking, hey, this could be a real important weekend in the Jeff Levy administration. There's no question about that. Could be a situation where you look back and say, hey, State got all those kids that visited that first weekend. And I think really the only one that you're kind of holding out hope for is Daniel Hill. I think State's in a pretty good position with, uh, with Minor and, and Justin Ball. So you could have had – you know, these visitors on campus, and they go 100%. It's pretty significant. It is. But, you know, you're reconstructing your roster right here. And so we'll get what we can get this weekend, and we'll get what we get on signing day, and whatever we're short, we'll supplement out of the transfer portal. Uh, but it's going to be a busy week. It's going to be a busy weekend. And we'll get into next week, and at least at that point, you don't have to worry about recruiting high school players to sign. You don't have to recruit junior college players. You can kind of shift your focus a little bit and really prioritize these transfers where you're deficient in your own roster. That's a huge part of this. Huge. Huge part of this. You know, Jeff Levy, I think, has a great offensive mind. we got to give him some, some tools to play with. Right? we got to go out and get some guys. And, of course, he's responsible for that. And so far, I think he's done a good job. But this weekend, defensively, we have got to turn and burn this weekend. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Again, some very talented junior college players coming in uh, and some other guys, too, in the transfer portal that we're going to be courting. And so you're going to see new offers pop up, the transfer players, a tremendous amount here in the next week and so, week or so. But, again, be patient because they have until the drop-out date in January. So that thing can go for a long, long time. And uh, we'll do our best to cover it, keep you abreast of everything that's going on. It's an important aspect of things that, uh, that you understand if things change. All right, if you hadn't done so, uh, you can go to windabottomfalls.com. And uh, the new book, which is doing exceptionally well, thank you very much, uh, When the Bottom Falls, um, it's basically a memoir, right? It's about my journey to uh, addiction and then out of it, and then how I've been able to maintain sobriety now for 32 years in one day. I wrote a little bit about that yesterday on social media and, of course, on our message board. Uh, really just to inspire other people because uh, your good friend and host wasn't always the best of people and didn't always make the best of decisions. Um, but it's so interesting, too, that um, I don't think people fully appreciate. You know, there are some people that are willing to give up on you. They say, oh, that guy's never going to make it, you know, and that's up to you. It truly is. Uh, it truly is. And uh, this past weekend, I uh, took some uh, signed copies over to Tupelo and down to Jackson because uh, sometimes I got to do it all, right? And uh, it's, it's a busy weekend always, but uh, whether the Bulldogs are playing or not, there's always something going on. I don't get a lot of rest and relaxation this time of year. But uh, as soon as I got to Tupelo, they sold five books, you know, and then continue to sell throughout the day. I had people message me on Facebook, so they went and bought it. Thanks for getting these books here. Ordinarily, somebody else handles that, but uh, I just happened to have a couple of cases with me, so we're able to accommodate them. Lemuria wanted a couple of cases. Uh, we took them one and then uh, had people 
messaging me left and right about, am I still there to sign their books? Well, I signed all those copies. And again, I'll be back this Friday at noon at Lemuria Books there in Jackson. So kind of plan for that. Uh, but I share all that you know, in, in the last few minutes we have here together before I go. I, I talk a lot about being in recovery. And I think sometimes it annoys people. And that's okay because it's not for you. If you're annoyed by it, then you're not the intended target audience. But uh, I have been absolutely overwhelmed here in the last 24 hours. Some people that have uh, hit me up and just said, hey, I think I may have a problem or I think my wife has a problem or my kid has a problem. And uh, one of the things that I think as a society that we need to work together on, make a collaborative effort here, is we've got to change the stigma about addiction. We do. We have to change that. There are so many people that would say, well, I don't want to say anything about that because I don't want it to be judged. Guys, I was never anonymous. Like as soon as I went to rehab, my family couldn't wait to tell everybody, oh, he's in rehab, he's in rehab. And it really wasn't about me. It was about them, right? They were just trying to, we've talked so poorly about this guy. He's been out of control. Uh, so my family was more than happy to say that I was getting help. They, they, they thought they were helping me. It doesn't matter to me, right? I don't care about being anonymous. Some people do. And... Um, uh, but I share that with you because there's so many people that need help that won't ask for help because they're fearful of being judged. It's the truth. And uh, I was a guy, I mean, I was content to lay there in a bed and die, die of a heart attack before I would admit I was a drug addict. Just didn't want to do it. And um, so I've written a book about it, and uh, it's done exceptionally well. I've had some people reach out, some, let's just say, some pretty important people. I've had some people that have reached out, and uh, we're going to work collaboratively on some on some pro- collaboratively on some projects. Uh, I'm going to help them. They're going to help me. And uh, there's a lot of people that have, in the recovery community that have reached out and said, hey, Steve, I'm glad you wrote this book. But it's not just a book about recovery. You know, it's really about a, a book about, you know, growing up in South Mississippi and then finding a way to achieve something in your life despite some tremendous obstacles, many of which you put in your own way. Um, and so I wrote this in hopes of helping other people. That's really what it's about. And uh, I can't begin to tell you and how grateful I am uh, to be 32 years and a day clean and sober. It's one of those things you begin to think about, well, how did you get here? And it's as simple as the fact that I just started doing the right things and stacking up good days. And I did that for a long time, and now here we are 32 years in a day. And I don't need you to message me and tell me how proud of me you are, even though I love that stuff. I don't, I don't need that. I'm going to be okay, right, because I didn't get sober for you or for my parents or for anybody else. I got clean and sober for me because I felt I was worth the trouble. And uh, when I was in the depths of addiction, I didn't think anybody loved me. I didn't think anybody cared about me. I didn't care about myself. And one of the things that I've learned about anything in life, but mainly with recovery, is that um, how do you save somebody that doesn't fear anything? And that's where I was. I wasn't scared of anything. And I wrote in the book, I I was not scared to die. I was scared to live. Because I didn't know that I could do all this stuff, right? I didn't know that I was, uh, you know, capable, you know. I may have had the intelligence, but I know that I had the commitment or the conviction to do these kinds of things. And maybe that's where you are. And maybe you're not even a person that's in addiction. Maybe you're just a person that says, you know what, I've always been one that's scared to try. You know, I can tell you when I wrote Flim Flam, two weeks before that book got released, I wanted to vomit every single day because I was suffering from imposter syndrome. And also, too, I, you know, I figured I was going to get sued. And I didn't. There were so many people out there threatening me. Uh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and you notice as well as I do, a bunch of old miseducated lawyers bought that book and went over with a fine-tooth comb trying to find clients to sue me for defamation. But everything that I wrote was the truth. 
And that's the thing about uh, defamation, right? Uh, the number one defense against defamation is the truth. And so I told the truth in that book. And, uh, you know, some people kept saying, oh, you're going to be added to this, and these people are going to sue you. And it never happened. It never happened. And a lot of it, I go back to the fact that um, I was kind of out of my lane a little bit talking about a story people didn't want told. And I thought, man, I've made such a big deal about this. Is it really that big a deal? Well, yes, it was. Biggest scandal in Mississippi college sports history, right? All due respect to Choctaws. I'm not talking about them. But uh, it's a huge scandal. And sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes we think, hey, man, this may only be a big deal to me. In our situations, it's a big deal to everybody. But the person that has the story is scared to tell it. And there were so many people over the years, I found out, well, this hey, there's this furniture store, there's this business, or they're that business, they're involved with something illegal recruiting, and they're doing this and doing that. But I can't say anything. I don't want to lose my job, and I get it. You know, I get it. I understand it's about self-preservation. But when I was presented that opportunity, I was kind of insulated. So I was, I was happy to do it. I was happy to chase the story. And uh, it's kind of made, well, took us where we are today. I mean, there were a lot of people that you got your news about uh, the investigation and all that stuff from this show. So we always want to be a resource for you. But, but I just, I would like to be an encouragement to people. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a writer, a musician, uh, you, know, you could work in pottery, a painter or whatever. I love that people can be creative and do something in and of themselves. It's, it's maybe different. You know, find your own individuality. I found mine, you know, but I, I still have so much ambition in life. You know, hey, I, I want multiple books of mine to become movies. I do. And, uh, you know, we thought we were close to a deal for Flim Flam when the writer's strike hit. You know, we got to go back and revisit that now that things are kind of returning to normal. Uh, but we were close and uh, spoke to some Hollywood people, and uh, they were already beginning to talk to agents for actors and things of that nature to see who would be interested in playing in the show. And uh, so I've been there before, but that's the closest that we've been. And then all of a sudden something happened. And I'm like, you know, if this doesn't happen for me, I still have lived a great life. I have. I've accomplished a lot. And I'm proud of the path in which I've trod. Uh, and, you know, I've shared with you guys too. I mean, I want to be the greatest Mississippi State writer that's ever lived. Am I going to get beat on a recruiting scoop every once in a while? Yeah. Yeah, it's a competitive field, right? And there's so many people to talk to. But I've dedicated myself to writing as many books about Mississippi State as I possibly can. Um, and it's not about me. It's about us. I just, ha- I just have the platform to do it. And so rather than, you know, sit out there and I'm, you know, try to write, uh, you know, the next time to kill or something, I mean, that job's already taken. You know, I'm going to do what I feel like we need to do. And I just want to encourage you to chase your dreams a little bit. Because when we stop dreaming, it's time to die, man. It is. And uh, I was just telling somebody yesterday, they're, you know, they're wanting to write a book, and I'm going to help them. Uh, I'll hold their hand the whole way through the process because I believe they got an amazing story. But the thing about it is, is like, you got to take that first step. The first step's the hardest one. It's like, okay, I'm going to commit to doing this. This is what I'm going to do. And that's like when I get on here with you guys and I say, hey, I'm going to write a biography of Duty Noble. I hadn't planned anything. I just knew that I wanted to do it. But once I commit to it and I make it out there public, i got to hold myself accountable. And there's so many people out there that have some amazing talent and skill, and uh, they're just kind of scared to try. I don't want you to be those kinds of people. I want to encourage you to try something. You know, I've got some songs that uh, I've written for other people 
that they claim to love, but yet so far haven't recorded them. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to record them myself if I have to. Because I believe in these songs and I believe in myself. And so, so, so what if I record it and it goes on iTunes and then people think it's stupid? At least I tried. I owe it to myself to try. You know, it's like even back when I was in bands in the early 90s and things like that, I don't have, any, I don't have hardly any evidence of that anymore. I don't. You know, there wasn't a camera phone era back then where you could video all your performances and things like that. It was a different dynamic back then. It just was. I like to be able to have something and see a tangible way. I did this. Not that I'm some kind of renaissance man or anything of the sorts, but I'm not scared to try new things. I'm not scared to get out there and make a commitment. And this ambitious pursuit about writing a biography of Duty Noble, this is a guy that played football at Mississippi State in 1915. And I was like, how am I going to recreate his childhood? Well, then lo and behold, I find some people that, from his family were able to do that. We're able to get pictures. We're able to get some accounts of what happened and what it was like growing up on the farm. I'm like, well, how am I going to you know, put together his, uh, you know, his history as a player? Well, you know, I've got game recaps and I've got newspaper articles and I've got some, uh, some people out there that have got some memories that they can share with us. Well, what about him as an athletic director? You start talking to Larry Templeton and other people, next thing you know, now all of a sudden we got a pretty good book, man. And uh, and so I don't say that to praise me. I say it to praise ambition. You know, because I just want to be honest with you. I told you guys this before, but I used to have a life coach, a guy by the name of Brad Worthley. And uh, it was a company I worked with. They hired him and he worked with, with all of us in regional management because it was just such an incredibly stressful job. And he told me, he said, this is, I was in my third, I got old in my thirties, guys, I did. And uh, because you know, I had all these kids and, you know, I was just kind of paying for everything and, you know, fertilizing everybody else's dreams, man, because I thought my time had passed. And he used to always ask me, well, what do you want for you? And I said, I just want to be a great dad and a great husband. And he goes, no, what do you want for you? And it took me a long time to get it. He was just like, you know, Steve, you can't just be the guy that pays for everything. You can't just be the guy. You know, that drives the minivan when everybody's sleeping on the way to Disney. You got to want something for yourself. You got to want more to life than that. And he goes, Steve, you're leading an accidental life. And man, when he said that, it offended me because he was right. I was just kind of going along, just doing what everybody else did. And he's like, you know, Steve, you got a lot of talent, man. You got a lot of things going for you. He says, it's almost like you're just waiting for, uh, for middle age to get here. And then, you know, then the kids will leave the house and you won't know what to do with yourself. And it changed the course of my life. And so I'm sharing that with you. Let's not lead an accidental life. We have to have goals, man. And uh, I've shared with you, I took that Franklin, Franklin Covey planning class. It was amazing. It's not just about how much money you make. It's not about, you know, your status in life. And there were times all I ever wanted to do was have a BMW until I got two of them. And then I just realized that all that is is a, a more expensive repair bill, you know. Um, I thought that would make me feel better about being me if I had a BMW. Until I had one, and I realized it, it, the novelty wears off pretty quick, right? But I share that because, and I wanted to take some time and talk about this. That's one of the things that long-term recovery has taught me, is I'm not just up here counting days waiting to die. I'm not just counting down and said, okay, if I can, you know, I don't want to, I want to I die sober. But man, I want to live I want to live richly, and I want you to do the same. 
And so, and there are going to be some people that have already tuned out, and that's fine too. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but for those of you that say, you know what, man, I got married young, I started having kids and got so caught up in all this, I'm going to ask you the same question Brad Wordley asked me. What do you want for you? What do you want? Well, I just want to be a great grandmother and I want to, be, I want to do this and I want to be a great provider. You know, all that stuff is important. And it does give you a great sense of pride. But what do you want for you as the individual? What are your dreams? What is it you have left to do? Let's get it done. I've shared with you guys before, one of the most crippling fears I had in my life is that I would lay on my deathbed, having never written a book, knowing that that was my manifest destiny to write books. I knew it. And I thought, you know what? I'm scared to try. I'm scared it'll be a failure. I'm scared that people won't want to read what I have to write. And so I'd rather have played it safe. And then one day I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. And it changed my life. It made me a different person. It made me a better person. It made me a better writer. I can't begin to tell you what a great job Paul Brown has done bringing the better talents out of me. He's challenged me. He's done a great job for me. I'm so I'm, I'm completely indebted to that guy. He's made me a different person. And so you can take control of that too. And, uh, you know, I know that I'm sure that I'll get some uh, message from somebody. Hey, Steve, just stick to Mississippi State. You know what? Okay, fine. Most of the time I do. But occasionally we got to have these little fireside chats. And uh, my hope is that maybe it inspires just one person. So, you know what? You remember we used to paint or we used to do this or we used to get out and do this, work in the yard or whatever. And we used to do some things for us and take pride in what we have. We're going to start doing that again. Start scheduling some time for yourself. Start scheduling some time to do something creative. It's amazing. It is. And again, it'll change you as a person. Don't be scared to try something new because the person you become may prove to be better than the person you are today. Let's get out of here. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.